Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. If you have your Bibles tonight, I would like you to go to two different portions of Scripture. Our first portion of Scripture that we're going to look at tonight is out of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 21. If you have your Bibles tonight, you have your smartphones, your iPads, your computers, wherever you're at this evening, I'd like you to go to Matthew 21. We're going to dive into that text, and then we're going to jump over into Luke chapter 19 in just a few minutes. While you're turning there, I'm going to read tonight out of, once again, out of Psalm 67 in the Passion Translation. I cannot get away from this, nor do I want to get away from this. <laughs> I want to say that again, nor do I want to get away from this. But this is Psalm 67, verses 4 through 6. This is found in the Passion Translation. And it says, how glad the nations will be when you are their king. (laughs) How glad the nations will be when you are their king. They will sing. They will shout. For you give true justice to the people. Yes. You, Lord, are the shepherd of the nations. No wonder the people praise you. Let all the people praise you more. The harvest of the earth is here. Isn't that mighty? Love this portion of scripture. I want to boldly proclaim to all of us tonight and to all of you that are with us online, the greatest era of church history is not behind us. The greatest era of church history is even in this present moment and in these next final closing hours of the end of the age before the return of our King, King Jesus, comes to this earth. This is the greatest hour. We are moving into the greatest harvest of souls, the greatest harvest of cities, the greatest harvest of nations, the greatest hour of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and exploits being done through the body of Christ, through the church, an outpouring that is beyond anything you and I have ever conceptually imagined, we are entering into it. I will say once again, prophetically, it is truly a third great awakening that is coming to the earth. A true third great awakening and outpouring, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, an immeasurable outpouring in the nations and in the cities of America that we are entering into. And I want to say by faith and confidently that you and I, you and I together, we are being summoned, we are being invited even now by the Holy Spirit into the lion's share for victory, into the lion's share for the souls of men, for the souls and the nations of men, for the discipling of nations, we are being summoned into the lion's share even now. Hallelujah. I know you believe it. I learned something very special this week about a very dear man of God that went on to be with the Lord. His name was David Wilkerson. David Wilkerson was from Texas, and God moved him up and out of Texas to move to New York City. Many of you are familiar with his ministry of Times Square Church. He was a mighty, mighty prophetic voice for God. A mighty prophetic voice for God. I remember reading the very first time I read a David Wilkerson book. I was 13 years of age. That was 1986, 13 years of age. I remember reading, set the trumpet to thy mouth, and how impacted I was by the power of that book. But I learned something this week, that David Wilkerson had given a a mighty prophetic word. Of course, he gave many, many prophetic words throughout his lifetime in the span of his ministry. For those of you that don't know, David Wilkerson is now in heaven, and I believe it was I believe it was 2011 that he went into heaven. 
David Wilkerson had given this word, and um, I feel I'm going to give just a few details about this because I believe it's important because just a few days ago, I posted this word out on social media platforms. Not long after I began to put it on Facebook, I had a number of people writing me, private messaging me, texting me, saying that word is not true, that's fake news. Of course, we're, all, uh, we're accustomed with that, that slogan right now. Fake news. And I was really bothered by it. I was very frustrated by it. And actually, I kept the post on my Facebook concerning this particular prophetic word that I'm about to read to you. But I began to go into some deep research. My wife knows I was buried in books and online. I was reading everything I could. I was up at 5 a.m. in the morning pouring through things to try to find this prophetic word and verify this because I, I wanted 100% accuracy on this. And we, we need to make sure that we're moving in the right path in this hour. Amen. We need a clear clarity word. Amen. But after many, many hours of study, a day and a half had went by. I was in prayer. I was still researching online. And I started writing and texting a friend of mine, actually an email. He first emailed me and then I began to text with him back and forth, a friend of ours named Michael Evans, and many of you may be familiar with Michael Evans. He's an ambassador to Jerusalem. He's a prophetic messenger. He's the founder of Friends of Zion Ministry. He's also the founder of Jerusalem Prayer Team. Many of you have probably seen Mike Evans on the news, whether it be Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. Um, He's been a voice on there for many, many years. But Mike and I were texting back and forth concerning this this prophetic word. And I had asked God for confirmation. About 30, 32, 34 hours had went by since I had chosen to pull that post down off of Facebook and I was in research. And then I heard from Mike. And Mike had written me, and this is what he told me. He said that David Wilkerson told him this prophetic word face to face. And Mike went on to tell me, he says, Brian, he says, as I was working on this revelation that God had put in my heart, he said, I picked up an old Bible and a handwritten note fell out. Now, Mike's got probably 20, 30 Bibles, and he went and grabbed an old Bible. And isn't this just like the Lord? Remember how Jesus said in in Luke 13, where he said, he said, the scribe will go out and he will pull forth that which is old and that which is new. And isn't it just like the Holy Spirit to move Mike to go to that old Bible and pull it out? And to his surprise, he found this handwritten note in this old Bible. He said, I picked it up in my old Bible and there a handwritten note fell out. It was from a meeting that I had with Dr. David Wilkerson in the Embassy Suites near the Dallas-Fort Worth airport on Tuesday, on a Tuesday in 1986. This is a handwritten note from 1986 from meeting with David Wilkerson. And this is what he wrote down concerning one of the words that David gave that day. David gave this word. This is 1986. He said, I see a plague coming on the world. And the bars and the churches and the government will shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it has never been shaken before. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles. And repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. And out of it will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. My God, church. I had to find out if this word was accurate. And thankfully, as I was texting with Mike, he said, Brian, he said, this is 1,000% accurate. David told me this word. Face to face. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe that on the other side 
of this evil, vile plague that has hit the nations and hit New York City, hit our nation. As we rise up out of this, once again, we are coming into the greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God. Don't you be duped by what is happening in, in, in virtual reality, in, in just the natural realm. We are going to see healing and hope burst forth to America and the nations of the earth. Come on, give God praise. Come on. I mentioned last week, and this is vitally important, if you didn't write it down, or perhaps you're new to our gathering tonight, I want you to write this down. Because last week I mentioned concerning the Feast of Passover, which we are coming into. The Feast of Passover is coming April 8th, beginning the night of April 8th, and ending on the night of April the 16th. The Feast of Passover, April the 8th through the 16th. And recently, Chuck Pierce, uh, another very seasoned prophetic minister who we deeply love, I want you to hear these words, write them down tonight. Chuck said, he said, this Passover, hear this, he said, this Passover becomes the greatest turning point in history for the next move of God. Hear this again. He said, this Passover this Passover becomes the greatest turning point in history, my God, folks, for the next move of God. Wow. He said, Chuck said, this will be the launching point for the greatest outpouring and the move of the Holy Spirit taking us into the harvest of the earth. My God, beloved, we are racing towards the return of our king. Jesus is drawing near. Glory to God. Chuck said that this virus, he says, we will see. He says, as the church prays, we will see a shift of this virus after Passover. And I'm telling you, as for me and my house, and as this house, Victory, a church of his presence, and Light the Fire Ministries, we are declaring this, the shift now of healing and restoration to America and the nations after Passover. We all know that this is an urgent hour for America this is an urgent hour for our nation. And not just for the recovery of our health or for the recovery of our economy right now. But right now we are on the precipice of the recovery of our real prophetic destiny and our identity as a nation to become fully revealed and fully realized at this hour fully realized. And this is why the church must be interceding. This is why the church must be praying and pressing into this word in this hour. We are coming into the recovery of our identity as a nation. Our identity to be revealed in this hour. America once again being the prodigal nation that returns home to the Father's house. Can you say amen? Come on, are you shouting in your homes tonight? Are you with me? <laughs> I know you are. And I'm in Matthew 21, and you thought I thought, you thought I forgot we were in Matthew 21. I did not. Are you there tonight? Tomorrow we move into Palm Sunday. Amazing. I want to take us right into the scripture, and I'm going to begin to read in verse 1. And now when they drew near to Jerusalem, and they came near Bethpage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately they shall send them. And all this was done. Notice, all this was done that it might be fulfilled. I want someone to say tonight with me the word fulfilled. Fulfilled. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, this is Zechariah, 
Tell the daughter Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. Hear these words. Behold, your king is coming to you. Lowly, sitting on a donkey, a colt, a foal of, the, of a donkey. And so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. I'm in verse 7. They brought the donkey and the colt, and they laid their clothes upon him, and they set him upon them. And a great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from trees or palms, and they began to spread them on the road. Verse 9, and then the multitude went before, and those who followed, they began to cry out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when they had come to Jerusalem, all the city, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? And so the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Hallelujah. I want you to just turn just a few pages over to Luke chapter 19 tonight. Luke chapter 19. And now we're going to begin to read together in verse 28. Are you still with me? Are you turning those pages? In verse 28, we're reading out of Luke 19. And when he had done this, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage of Bethany at the mountain called Olive, the Mount of Olives, that he sent his disciples forth. I'm going to actually jump over to verse 37. Thank you. Verse 37. And then as they were drawing near to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples, they began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works which they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees, <laughs> some of the Pharisees, they called out, to him from the crowd. And they said, teacher, hey, teacher, hey, rebuke your disciples. And then he answered unto them and he says, I tell you, if they should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. My God. And now as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. Look at those words again. As he drew near, he saw the city, and he wept over it. He said, if you had known, even you especially in this city, your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an, an, embar an embankment around you, surround you, and close you on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know that this was your time of visitation. And when he went out into the temple, he began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching in the temple daily. But the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people, look at these next words, they sought how they might destroy him. And they were unable to do anything, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. We are... Moving into this epic, sacred, holy week as we begin tomorrow, Palm Sunday. And I want to speak to this tonight. About a hundred years before Palm Sunday would take place, the Romans had come in and they had conquered Jerusalem. Are you guys with me tonight? Is everybody with me tonight? Are we good back there? Excellent. I see thumbs up. Thank you very much. About a hundred years before Palm Sunday, the Romans had come in and they had conquered Jerusalem. 
And as you can imagine, there was a lot of animosity in the city of Jerusalem towards the Romans. You can imagine the animosity within the city. The celebration of Passover had come. The celebration of what? Passover. The celebration of Passover had now come. Hundreds of thousands of people were now streaming into Jerusalem, the capital city of Israel. Hundreds of thousands were now streaming up and ascending into Jerusalem. Families traveling from all over. Families traveling from the north, the south, east, and the west up to and ascending to Jerusalem to the temple. Why were they ascending to Jerusalem to the temple? To offer their lambs as a Passover sacrifice. Now the Passover feast at this time had been celebrated and commemorated now for thousands of years from the time of Moses to the time of Jesus. Are you tracking with me? From the time of Moses to the time of Egypt. Remember where when they were in captivity in, in Egypt where they placed the blood of the lamb over the doors of their houses as the death angel was to pass by. You find this in the book of Exodus Chapter 12, and I'm going to begin to read after, out of verses 12 and 13 once again concerning this initial inaugural Passover as they're in captivity in Egypt. Are you with me? Verse 12, it says, For I will pass through the land on that night, and I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods... Of Egypt. Notice that. I will strike down man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute my judgment, for I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you. Maybe you need to underscore that in your Bible or highlight it or underline it tonight. The blood shall be a sign for you. On the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Everybody say a sign tonight. A sign. A sign is something that points to a greater coming reality. A sign is something always that points to something that is coming or a sign pointing to a greater reality. When I pull up into a restaurant, when my wife and I, well, of course, it's closed, but when my wife and I go to Longhorn Steakhouse, we pull off the road because why? We see the sign. The sign says Longhorn. But when my wife and I, I open the door for my wife. She's here. Isn't that right, honey? And I open the door for my wife. My wife, after I shut the door, I don't grab the hand of my wife and we don't go and sit in the bushes that are sitting underneath the sign of Longhorn Steakhouse. Why? Because the sign is what points us into the restaurant to receive the substance. Are you with me tonight? A sign is something that points you to a greater reality. Or I will say tonight, a sign is something that should bring you in to the revelation of a coming substance. Are you with me tonight? And so when God said, this is a sign, this blood shall be a sign for you. What was he saying? He was pointing to a day of God giving His only beloved Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb, for the sins of the world. Are you with me tonight? Now at this time, as Jesus is coming towards Palm Sunday, here we are. Jesus has now raised Lazarus from the dead. I need you to remember historically what is going on in this time as Jesus is approaching and coming into Jerusalem. He has raised Lazarus from the dead a week prior. And now word about this resurrection, you can imagine, it is spreading like a wildfire throughout Jerusalem. People are anticipating Jesus coming. They're speaking about this resurrection everywhere. They're anticipating Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But the question that is on everyone's mind, hear this tonight. 
The question that is on everyone's mind as Jesus is now sitting on the Mount of Olives, what are they asking? They're asking, is Jesus the one, the true Messiah? And in their mind, they believed the Messiah was going to deliver Israel from the power and the tyranny of the rule of the Romans and that their Messiah would establish the kingdom of God. Amazingly, I want to take you to this word fulfilled. Back in our text, the word fulfilled, we find in Zechariah 9 verse 9, this this prophet from Israel 400 years before Jesus would mount this little cult. Before Jesus would ever mount this little cult. The prophet Zechariah in chapter 9 verse 9, he prophesied these words. He said, greatly rejoice, daughter of Daughter of Zion, shout, daughters of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly. Say the word, lowly, and riding on a a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I want you to write it down tonight, fulfilled. Fulfilled. What does it mean, fulfilled? Fulfilled means to be explained or to be revealed, or an unfolding of something in its fullness. I love that word. It is an unfoldness, an unfolding of something in its fullness. See, when God fulfills a promise, it is not just that it has been completed, but that promise is actually declaring and releasing a power of revelation. And that power of revelation is the power of truth that reveals God's very character, His very nature, His very essence. It is spoken about Moses. Hear these words. It is spoken about Moses that the children of Israel, they saw the acts of God. But it says of Moses, Moses knew the ways of God. Hear this again. The children of Israel, they saw the acts of God, yet for Moses, he knew the ways of God. Meaning he had a spirit of understanding and a spirit of wisdom upon him behind the heart of why God was doing what he was doing. He was God's friend. God was intimately sharing with him his secrets. In fact, the prophet Amos, in Amos chapter 3, verse 7 He says that God does nothing in the earth unless he reveals it to his friends, his servants, the prophets. And Moses was certainly a prophet. So God was speaking to Moses. While others were watching what God was doing, Moses was getting inside information, the spirit of wisdom and understanding of the heart of God, why it was happening. Are you catching this? This is so key. This is so vitally important for us tonight. Because when a prophetic word is fulfilled, it is taking you and I into the very nature or the character or the essence of God himself. It is not just about fulfillment as we think about fulfillment. It is a doorway into a whole nother reality. Did you see that? A fulfillment is about entering in through a passageway or a doorway of revelation into the heart of God. Phew! Glory to God. See, God, when He makes a promise, I said this last week, when God makes a promise, He creates hope. In fact, when we create, pro- when we create promises to one another... When we give our word to one another, we create hope in that. When God gives a promise, He is creating hope. But when you fulfill a promise, you actually create trust. And the word of God is fully trustworthy. The word of the Lord is fully, in 2020, the word of God is fully trustworthy. Zechariah would prophesy 400 years, 400 years before Jesus would mount this cult. And he said, look, lowly, he said specifically, did did Zechariah's arrow hit the mark? 
I would say Zachariah's arrow hit the bullseye. He said he's coming, he's riding into you righteously, victoriously, lowly. Watch this, riding on a, on a donkey, on a colt, a foal of a donkey. I would say that he hit the mark. I would say that his arrow of victory and deliverance hit the mark. He says this, Zechariah says, behold, your king is coming. He slowly and he is gentle. Now let's gain an understanding tonight. At this time, see, Jesus knows that he's not coming to conquer. Jesus knows that he is coming to be crucified. I want to say that again. Jesus knows that as he is riding down the Mount of Olives, and I have had the privilege to be there. He is riding down the Mount of Olives on that donkey. He knows he is not coming down into Jerusalem to conquer. He knows he is entering into Jerusalem to be crucified. Why? As God's very Passover lamb, once and for all, once and for all. At this time, Jesus knows he's not coming to dominate. He's not coming to take over, ladies and gentlemen. He's coming to die. This is where Jesus is at. No one else knows the secret. Not even Satan himself knows the secret. Did you hear what I said? Not even Satan himself knew the secret. He said if he had known, he would have never even crucified the Lamb of Glory. He had no idea. God was holding his cards pretty close to his chest. But Jesus knew. Jesus knew. The time was drawing now. Coming into Passover. Are you still with me? Can I hear a shout tonight? Are you still with me? (laughs) So Jesus is riding on a donkey. This is amazing. Because kings in the ancient east, they rode donkeys in a time of peace. This is awesome. Kings in the ancient east, they rode during times of peace upon donkeys and colts. The choice of a donkey here is not just happenstance, ladies and gentlemen. It's made with great intention. The donkey was then mounted by the king of kings, humbly. And the Lord of Lords, the God-man who took on flesh and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Climbing on this colt. I want you to see this tonight. Here is the arrival of Jesus coming down the Mount of Olives. The whole city is shaken. The whole city is moved. That's what the scriptures use, that word. It's being moved by the appearance of the parade of palms. And honor and shouting unto the Lord. And what are they shouting out? Hosanna, Lord. Save us, Lord. The word Hosanna means save us. Hosanna, blessed is the King. Now this is a big point tonight. Because Jesus' arrival, it was in direct contrast with another arrival of a ruler in that day. His name was Pontius Pilate. Put it in your notes tonight. See, Pontius Pilate had come from Rome to this capital city of Israel, Jerusalem. When Pontius Pilate was taken, when he made his voyage on his ship from Rome to the port of Caesarea, down through the Mediterranean Sea, when he arrived, history tells us he arrived with a garrison of imperial guard. What is that? It's thousands of Calgary upon horses. Thousands of armed soldiers, foot soldiers, weapons, swords, shields, helmets, flags. Are you getting the the picture tonight? Why did he arrive like that to show Roman strength? He arrived like that to show Roman strength, Roman rule. And he comes down, when he arrives from his ship with this imperial garrison, he comes in from the west. But on the contrast... Of all that pomp and parade and power of the Romans, Jesus makes his entry from where? From the east. He comes lowly, gentle from the east, coming down, as you can see him, descending on the colt into Jerusalem as king. Are you seeing this tonight? So important. It's important to know in that day 
that the religious leaders of the day, they had been just going along to get along. Have you ever heard the phrase, just going along to get along? That's what they were doing with Rome in that hour. All the religious leaders were just going along to get along with Rome. You could say that they were kind of working in a bipartisan way. (laughs) That may stick tonight. Just so that they could have peace in Jerusalem. There was a huge political atmosphere that was raging in Jerusalem at the hour. They were pacifying the Romans at that time to keep just their, their semblance of power, if you will. But this Passover is right on time. I want you to hear this tonight. This Passover was right on time. God is right on time. What time is it in the world? I want to tell you that God is right on time. He never misses his time. He's the creator of time. He is outside of time in eternity watching over what he has already created for his story to be unfolded. And now he is walking it through the ages to make sure every Every word, every period, every comma, every prophecy is ultimately fulfilled to the glory of his name. God is right on time. I want to say to us tonight, God is, he's not white knuckling the throne right now. God is not surprised. God is not surprised. God is not nervous about coronavirus, and he is also not an indifferent bystander to what our nation and the nations are suffering in the earth right now. Did you hear that? He is not an indifferent bystander to what the pain that America is going through even now. But I want to say to you as well, God, hmm, he is not surprised as well by the evil that has been spawned by evil men in this hour and the gross darkness that is coming upon the earth, even now, God is not surprised by it. And I'm going to speak about that in a little, uh, with more clarity in a little while. I want to speak boldly and tell you, folks, if the God... The God of creator, the creator God of the universe. If our creator, Abba Father God, who created the known and the unknown universe, the known and the, we only know a little, a little painting or a splotch upon the massive canvas of the entire universe. What we know, we know him as creator God, but there are galaxies and universes that we have never even tapped into. But yet, God's ultimate dream was to live somewhere within the human hearts of men and women of sons and daughters. And if that God, if that good creator, Father God, lives inside of the hearts of men and women, how in the world could we ever consider ourselves powerless in this hour? We are not powerless in this hour. We are not powerless in this hour. Say it tonight, God is on time. Say it with faith. God is on time. God's Passover lamb has now arrived on time. Can you see him coming down on the colt? Can you see him coming down on on the donkey? Jesus is arriving on time. Remember who Jesus is. Remember the identity of of Jesus. He is the Lamb, John the Baptist, the great mighty prophet, John the Baptist, cried out. He said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The apostle John, he writes in Revelation 13 and 8, the Apostle John, not John the Baptist, the Apostle John, he writes that Jesus is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That means that God already had the plan in place, ladies and gentlemen, in eternity past. That means that Jesus chose in eternity past before time ever began. There was a meeting between God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus stepped forward willingly and said, I am willing to be your lamb slain for the souls of men. Remember the words of Jesus? He said, no man takes my life. 
No man takes my life. He says, I have the power to lay down my life, and I have the power to take my life back up. This command I have received from my Father. When did he receive it? In eternity past. It was already settled. It was already decided. No wonder Jesus walked in such unprecedented authority in the earth realm. He laid down his life, ladies and gentlemen. It wasn't the Jews. It wasn't the Romans. No, 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 no. Jesus willingly gave his life. Are you with me tonight? Are you with me tonight? Okay. I think I heard somebody out there. It was probably Mark Godlewski. No, it was Philip Pala, the lion. <laughs> Come on, I know you guys are with me. Love you. I'm sending my love. Shout outs. I want you to understand something tonight, folks. I am not here in this hour, in this hour of urgency, pointing people to me. I am not pointing people to our church. I am not pointing people to a church denomination. I am here as a messenger, pointing people to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Hear this tonight. And it's through His blood it brings healing and deliverance and freedom and takes away the sin of the world. Now the timing of Jesus and His coming, His arrival to Jerusalem, it is not random. It is right on time. Remember the instructions of the Jewish people tonight. You can find this in the book of Exodus. And Moses tells them on the 10th day of the month, five days before the Passover, they were to pick a lamb and they were to set that lamb apart in their household. Where was the lamb? They took the lamb inside their house. Notice this. They took the lamb inside their house. Why did they do that? Why did Moses tell them that was the instruction? They took the lamb in the house for a period of inspection. They had to inspect that lamb to make sure that that lamb was perfect for sacrifice. All right, are you with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, the apostle Paul writes, he says, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So in Exodus chapter 12, when you go back and you begin to read about the Passover, we see after 10 plagues, they slaughtered the lamb and the blood of the lamb was placed where? It was placed upon the doors of their house as the death angel passed by. Now this is very key tonight. Hear this with your heart prophetically. What did the blood do? Let's answer that question tonight. What did the blood do? The blood closed the door to judgment. Say it tonight. The blood closed the door to judgment. But it doesn't stop there, Cody. Here's the good news, my brother. Not only did the, it close the door to judgment, but the blood opened the door to their freedom and liberty. Hallelujah! Woo! The blood closed the door to judgment, but the blood opened the door to their liberation and their freedom. Now, at this time, Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem, there, there is a huge misunderstanding going on. The Messiah is now coming into the capital city of Jerusalem. The crowd is shouting, Hosanna. They're actually shouting out a messianic psalm. That messianic psalm is Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, O oh Lord, save us, save us now. I want you to make no mistake, this massive crowd was declaring that Jesus was the Messiah. Did you hear that? This massive crowd, they were declaring Jesus is the Messiah. They recognized Jesus was their deliverer. But there was a problem. The crowd misunderstood what kind of Messiah actually Jesus would be. Now stay with me tonight. They thought Jesus was going to save them from the rule and the tyranny of the Roman occupation and the Roman oppression. 
Jesus was not coming to bring political salvation. Jesus was not coming to bring political salvation. You need to write it down tonight. You need to write it down. When Jesus appeared to Joshua in Joshua chapter 5, he manifested before Joshua. How do I know it was Jesus? Because every other time that an angel was manifested in Scripture and someone bowed down to worship them, what would the angel do? Are you with me tonight? What would the angel do? The angel would say, do not worship me. I am but a fellow servant. I'm here to serve with you. That's not what happened in Joshua chapter 5. When Joshua went out and the Lord Jesus appeared, it's called a theophany. In the Old, in the old Covenant or the Old Testament, where there was a, manif- manifestation, a manifestation of Jesus, it's called a, philo- a, a theophany. Thank you. And a revelation of Jesus came on that mountain and Joshua cried out and he said, Are you with us or are you against us? And I love the answer. He says, neither. He says, but as the captain of the armies of heaven, I have now come. Go ahead and kick off your sandals, by the way, because you're standing on holy ground while you're worshiping. It was the Lord. Are you seeing this? It was the Lord. Jesus was not coming to bring political salvation. And I want to tell you tonight In 2020, Jesus isn't coming to bring political salvation. He's not with this side. He's not with this side. He's on his own side. And I think at times, I think at times, we become very lofty, very prideful, very arrogant when we say the Lord is on our side. I would rather prefer that we say I'm on the Lord's side. Can you say that tonight? I am on the Lord's side. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Come on. You're still with me tonight. Jesus was coming to bring salvation to the entire world. He was coming to set us all free from the bondage of sin and slavery. The penalty for sin, which is eternal death, Being separated from God Almighty. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, when we speak of salvation sometimes, there's a misunderstanding concerning salvation. I want to say, I want to be very clear about this tonight. Salvation is not just your ticket into heaven. Salvation is not just your ticket into heaven. Hear me very clear tonight. The centrality of the gospel is not that Jesus came to die for your sins. The centrality of the gospel is that Jesus came to die for you and for me. That is the centrality of the gospel. It is not that Jesus came to die. Of course that is true. But the centrality of it is he came to die to purchase you and I and be a ransom for the souls of men. He wanted you. Love wanted you. Sin had to be crucified and nailed to that brutal, sick cross. But he did it because he wanted you and I. It was like lightning through me tonight. Psalm 118 and verse 19 says, Open the gates of righteousness and I will go through them. Are you hearing that? Open the gates of righteousness and I will go through them. Jesus didn't just come to give us salvation from sin. He came to give us his very righteousness. Hear it again. His blood closed the gates to judgment. But his blood opened the gates of righteousness. This is the picture of Passover. This is the picture of Passover. I want to tell you, my friends, whoever you are listening or watching, or maybe you'll watch this 10 weeks or 10 months from now, who knows? God's very best for you is not that you live in a cycle of just sinning. God's very best for you is not just living and going on in a cycle 
of sinning. That is not God's best for you. And going for forgiveness over and over. We should enter in through the gates of righteousness where true freedom, we truly live in that freedom. It's through the righteousness of Jesus. If you're taking notes tonight, you can write down 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. It says, God made Jesus who knew no sin to actually be sin and become sin. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. You have to see this epic exchange. That God gave Jesus who knew no sin. He literally on the cross, Jesus would literally take on and become sin for us. To be crucified for us. Why? So that he could give us his very righteousness. What an exchange. Folks, what we're talking about is a love that is not of this world. It's a love that is not of this world. He is the Lamb of God. Folks, we stand at such an epic hour right now. Remember the word of the prophet from the very beginning of this train as we started concerning Passover. We are at We are at an epic unfolding of fulfillment of time. We are entering in tomorrow to Palm Sunday through this sacred week of the crucifixion of Jesus to the resurrection of Jesus to the very ascension of Jesus. What a time. What an era. What a time. I believe we're at the greatest epic era and time in human history. And I believe if we knew the full revelation, it would be mind-boggling to us that are listening and even to me that is preaching this word. We're going to see God move in this era and this time and shake the nations for His harvest. Psalm 16 and verse 8, this is for you tonight. I have set the Lord before me because He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. I shall not be shaken. And I have to keep saying it again, folks, as the under-shepherd of this house to the great shepherd, we have to continue to apply the Passover blood over our lives, over our families, over our children, over our nation, over our cities. We've got to apply the blood. It's through the blood salvation comes, deliverance comes, healing comes through the blood. It was Moses that wrote these amazing, beautiful words in Psalm 91 and verse 9. He says, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For God shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. I want to be clear tonight. I want to say it again. I want to be very clear that God did not send this coronavirus. He did not send this plague. I believe this plague was engineered and weaponized by evil men. Wicked people who partnered with demonic spirits in this hour. 2 Timothy chapter 3 Verse 13 tells us in perilous times at the end of this age that evil men, evildoers, imposters would be deceiving and being deceived. And this may bother you, but I want to tell you, I am praying that God's swift justice and His righteous judgments come upon those evil men that are spawning this deception upon the world for their manipulation and control. And it may surprise some of you, under the sound of my voice, whoever you are, it may surprise you that people at the highest level of our government, where they have gone in realms of darkness to try to gain access to control, these globalists, oh my God, these new world orderists, who are bowing even now at the altar of Lucifer, another name at the altar of Satan, clearly the devil. God is going to deal with them in this hour. And I believe as the ecclesia, as the church, that we've got to be praying that God will expose them, expose them, 
uproot them out of their seat of authority and governance in our country, in America, at the very top, at the Supreme Court, in our Congress, all the way through the highest levels, the highest levels, that they are exposed and that Hamans are hung on their own gallows. The good news is, is that, make no mistake, God is in the shaking. And He is shaking in this hour so that His everlasting kingdom will come forth and be made manifest. i got to go on the record tonight, and I started by this word. We are entering now into the greatest era of church history. The greatest era of church history is not behind us. It is right now and just steps ahead into the next weeks, months, and perhaps just the next few years, perhaps into the very epic coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to receive His bride unto Himself and to set up His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I don't want to offend anyone tonight. And, and I actually mean that. <laughs> I don't want to offend anyone. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you just flat-footed and just eye to eye. I have given up the fantasy that everyone's going to like me. I gave up on that fantasy a long, long time ago. I gave up on the idea or the fantasy that everyone's going to agree with me or applaud the message or applaud the messenger That's not what this is about. But folks, you have to hear the heart of the Lord and the voice of the Lord. I'm only one messenger. I'm only one messenger, but you have to hear the voice of the king. This is no time to be lazy. This is no hour to be aloof. This is no hour to have your head buried in the sand, spiritually speaking. This is no time to just be getting spiritually fat, sitting around watching your movies and your Netflix and doing all that. This is no time for that. And I know I've been saying this for the next, the last several weeks. I'm going to be saying it for the next several months and probably the next several years. There's no time for that, folks. The church has got to be pressing in, in this hour, for a greater revelation and a greater anointing of authority, a greater revelation of the power of the Holy Spirit that is within His church. It has been said that there is more power on the inside of us than all the the armies of the earth combined. Why? Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives and dwells in you and I. And creation is crying out even this hour for the sons and daughters of God to be made manifest. Paul goes on to write in Romans 8, he said that these sons and daughters would be made manifest so that even creation itself would be delivered from its corruption into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. We're going to see things in this hour. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to say it to you again. We are coming in to the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit beyond anything we have ever conceptually imagined or dreamed. And I want to use the words of Leonard Ravenhill, and I'm just about to my close. Leonard Ravenhill said these words, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of that opportunity. Write it in your heart. Let it brand you tonight. you got to go get a tattoo of it. I'm just kidding. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of that opportunity. What am I saying to you? I'm saying that God longs for us to arise in this hour and shine. I'm saying that God longs for us not to be cowards. I'm saying that we will not cower back. The kingdom of God was always meant to shape culture and shape nations and shape and disciple cities. 
never to retreat from them. The church is going to arise in this hour with the power of the Holy Spirit to define the moment. Say it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. The church is going to define this moment in our times. We're going to define the moment. Coronavirus is not defining the moment. Can I hear a shout? Coronavirus is not defining the moment. The church is going to define this moment in time. And how are we going to do it? How are we going to define this moment? By manifesting love. That's the foundation. We're going to manifest love through service, through acts of service, through acts of kindness, through acts of provision, acts of compassion, acts of care, acts of prayer, acts of praying for the sick and see them recover, acts of prophesying, acts of moving in miracles and healings. Perhaps, perhaps, even the teachings of Jesus may be relevant for 2020. He said, you shall go forth and you shall raise the dead. You shall raise even the dead. I say tonight with boldness and confidence, Jesus is the Savior of the nations. He's the healer of the nations. And hope and healing is spreading to the nations even now. So I want you to do this for the next few moments. I just want you to put your hands out in front of you. Put your, place your Bibles aside. And I want to thank you for staying with us tonight. There's no way I can see who's online or I have no idea. But I'm thankful whoever is with us tonight and where this is carrying on victory. VictoryFLA.com. And I know this will have a life of its own. <laughs> the shelf life will keep on going and going. But I want to pray this prayer over you tonight. That the Holy Spirit will fill our lampstands. The Holy Spirit will fill our lampstands with fresh oil tonight. The Word of God has been washing over you. The Holy Spirit is pouring over you fresh oil into your lampstand tonight for your life to burn in this midnight hour. For your life to stay lit. For your lamp to stay lit and burning for the Lord in this hour. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I speak healing to the nations, Lord, by the authority of your blood. Father, we continue to say we curse this coronavirus in the name of Jesus. We command it to wither and die from the roots. Lord, we speak the power of your blood. Be released. Cody, would you come? Would you just join me for the next few moments? Let's lift our hands and let's access the throne tonight for America. We're not just here for us. We're here, we're here accessing for our nation tonight. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I say over President Donald John Trump, I say, God, you are a shield about him. I declare Psalm chapter 3, verse 3. For, Lord, you are a shield about him. You are his glory. You are the lifter of his head. You are his shield. You are his glory. You are the lifter of our president's head. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you deluge him in that White House. Holy Spirit, deluge him. Give him encounters with Jesus. And let him access the wisdom and the mind of God. Lord, let give him the discernment to see through every snare and wicked lie of the enemy. Those snares and those traps that have been set for him. God, I pray that you reveal, reveal them to him. That he will not enter into the enemy's wicked traps set for him or our nation. But God, you are the protector of this nation. You are the keeper of this nation. You're the keeper of this house. You're the keeper of the flame, O oh Father.
So we bless him, Lord, and we pray fresh anointing upon his head and upon his mind. Oh, Father, give him encounters, Lord. Give Vice President Pence encounters, Lord. Fill that White House with mighty warring, ministering, messenger angels. Bring your apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, mighty intercessors, voices for God, messengers, God, at the right time into that house, God, to release the word of the Lord. Let it be heard and let them be summoned to the will of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And Lord, tonight... Tonight, we pray for the harvest of nations to come forth. Lord, as Bren prayed, we agree that you would ekbellow, that you would take us by force and thrust your church into the fields, the cities, the neighborhoods, the nations that are ripe unto harvest even now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.